0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the hostess for this podcast or host. I think I usually say host. And today's episode is episode number 216. We are a few weeks into our fifth year of podcasting, and we sincerely hope that our podcast has brought stories and information that give you hope and let you know that help is available. You know, when a person is addicted to drugs and or alcohol, the myriad of choices of treatment can be overwhelming. Narcanon, Ojai is a residential treatment facility that addresses the spiritual, physical, and mental aspects of addiction with a proven evidence-based drug-free, completely holistic step-by-step program to free those trapped by addiction. For more information, call 1-866-231-5924. Today, we have an episode with a gentleman named Adam Vibe Gunton. After overcoming hopelessness and drug addiction, Adam Vibe Gunton became passionate about sharing the hope of recovery with those suffering similar experiences. With only two years of recovery, Adam built a seven figure business, began public speaking, and launched his now number one best selling book. From chains to saved. For the year following that launch, Adam founded Recovered on Purpose and helped multiple other addicts, alcoholics in recovery, and one mother who lost her son to addiction to write, publish, and promote their stories into best selling books. Adam's mission is to continue to be the example of what is possible for those who recover from addiction while inspiring them to live passionate, purpose-filled lives that help others recover and deter future generations from going down the path of addiction. Without further ado, let's talk to Adam Vibe Gunton. Adam, is it Gunton? Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Adam Gunton, thank you for being willing to be on the podcast today and sharing your story.
0: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. So what I like to ask um, from individuals such as yourself who are in recovery is how did you get started on drugs? How old were you and what were the circumstances?
0: So I actually grew up in the uh, Columbine community and I, I went through my entire like elementary school period um, in in state championship football teams. I I won state in wrestling. We went to world series for baseball. Like I I had incredible um, foundation. And then after the the Columbine shooting, um, I was actually at Columbine Hills Elementary when it happened. And um, I think there was I think something kind of switched because I started having Um, different types of dreams and different things happening in my head, kind of fears start, start coming up. And then uh, I actually had a bad influence that came in and I was, I was ready. Um, As soon as someone asked me, uh, do I want to know what it's like to get high? um, I didn't even, I didn't even know how to say no at that point. Um, I, that's, that's when it was, I started drinking at, at 11 and then Cocaine was my first drug at uh, 12, 13. And then right after that, I started smoking smoking weed. Um, and then I was also, I went to Columbine High School, and I was, I ended up being one of the captains of the state championship football team my senior year. I was a captain of the defense. Uh, I was the captain of the wrestling team. And this whole time, I had this, this hidden drug habit where I was using something daily, uh, whether it be. Or marijuana or Percocets, if I could get them. Weekends with with ecstasy and cocaine and things like that. Um, and Adam, even with Adam, this-
1: I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but your Wi-Fi cut out. You, I I think the first thing that you said was it could have been alcohol or marijuana or or drugs, right? I, I think the alcohol got cut off. But anyway, yep. sorry, go ahead.
0: Sorry, um, see, I was, you know, had this hidden throughout my throughout my high school career Um, and just what I what I remember of it like I just didn't know where I was headed I had no idea that I was doing um, doing this to my life I, I thought that it was just fun so it was like my whole childhood from 11 on I just had no idea until from age 11 or 12 to this point getting sober I have never had 30 days clean and sober
1: Wow. And you've been clean and sober for how long?
0: Almost three and a half years.
1: Three and a half years. Wow. Such a young age. Did your parents have any clue what was going on with you at that young age?
0: I don't think so. Um, And they say that they, they say that they didn't, you know, they were, um, they got a divorce around like 15, 16, when I was 15, 16 years old, somewhere around there. Um, And they had their own, their own things going on. But Uh, I was, I mean, I was also like, you wouldn't think that I had this going on. I had a lot of really amazing things going on in my life. I had a really great friend, friend group. I, you know, like I was saying the sports and things, um, you know, teachers loved me, you know, it was just, I just, it was hidden. It was, I I did a really good job of hiding this deep, dark secret.
1: Interesting. So Okay. So you carried it on through high school. Did it ever at any point affect either your academics or your athletics?
0: Um, not really. No, I never, I never got kicked out of any sports or anything. Uh, I never, no, not until I, I had no issues in high school, really no issues.
1: Okay. Did you go to college?
0: I went to uh, college for a little bit, but I didn't go to go to college. Uh, I went to the University of Northern Colorado, uh, or some of us in in Colorado call it the University of no other choice. Um, (laughs) But we we, uh, went to party. I I wasn't really going. I didn't have it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes, I went to party. Exactly. Uh, And I was I was also a big like a problem. Like I seen people to drugs. Um, and that's the thing. Like I, I didn't, I, I have a really good heart. Like I, I love people. Um, I didn't realize that I was also introducing people to the same thing that I was doing. Um, so this whole time, like, and I started selling, selling drugs. So I, I was doing that at, you know, 17, 18, 19,
1: 20. Wow. did you ever get arrested?
0: Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. never, never for the never for uh, large quantities of reselling or anything. And I, I ended up stopping because uh, I found out there was actually, I've never shared this publicly. But there was a there was a pretty hardcore investigation going on on me um, that I that I found out about when I was like 21 22 years old. Um, that was in my oxycotton days. Um, addicted to those and I, I had a the doctor prescribed me for 250 milligrams of Oxycontin when I was like a day when I was like 20. Um, and then it just went downhill from there. And we all like everybody that's done Oxycontin, you know that like while you're doing it, if you have a prescription, you're, you're trading them, you're selling them, you're doing this and doing that back and forth. Um, but then one day I I left my house and I had uh, I was in the front. I was in the backseat and I had my friend who had just given me his whole script. And I had those in my pocket, and then someone else in the front seat, and we got pulled over by like four DEA cars, and there was like, uh, there was it was crazy. And then they came up to my window, sitting in the back, and they were like, "Mr. Gunton, where have we heard your name before?" <laughs> and uh, I shoved I shoved all those pills in in front of me because they were actually the script, and then uh, he ended up arresting the driver whose script it was and started uh, interrogating him, trying to say, if you roll over on Adam, then we'll let you go. And he was like, you just screwed up your whole investigation because those are my pills. And then he told me about that and I haven't sold a drug since. I was this close. I was this close to having a really, really bad time.
1: Wow. Well, we could say that that's your point of no return for selling. Uh, I know your point of no return for taking is a little bit later, but wow. Right. You dodged a bullet there, Mr. gunton.
0: yeah, well who knows like the thing is is like if i would have if I would have gotten caught at that point, you know maybe maybe that would have been my point of no return for using also because I went through hell for the next eight years of my life. hell yeah
1: wow, so so how did it progress? Tell us about that hell you were going through
0: yeah the the oxycontin, like a lot of us know it it turns into something that you can't stop like. The, the opiates, uh, those things are so addicting, so incredibly, uh, they just have this pull on you um, that it got to a point where I, I actually OD'd on those and got my script taken away from me. The The doctor couldn't write it for me anymore because I went to the hospital and the police were involved in, in different stuff. So I actually ended up cold turkeying off of that. And I got, I was. I was clean for me. Like I was only smoking weed and drinking for, for a few months, but that was in a a bad motorcycle accident. And I know this isn't on video, but I don't know if you can see this scar that's, that's up my head like this, but I got in a really bad motorcycle accident.
1: Adam, we are videoing.
0: Oh, for this podcast too. (laughs) Yep. We do a
1: video on YouTube as well. I guess I should warn you don't like pick your (laughs) nose or anything, but yeah, I saw the scar.
0: All right. So yeah. Um, but I had, the reason why I have the scar is my best girlfriend was riding on the back and she was wearing the helmet. And there was like, it was this beautifully paved road. I, I wasn't drinking or or smoking that day. And I was, I was going down this beautifully paved road and going the speed limit. My roommates were following me. And without any warning, without any sign, nothing, the road just ended. and went from asphalt to dirt. And there was a three foot wide, two foot deep pothole right in the middle that I hit. And I went over the handlebars, she flew off and they uh, my roommates were following me. So they ended up taking us to the hospital. And because we didn't call 911 when the accident happened, they called the police on us. The police came in and they ended up arresting me to the table and giving me a, a ticket for DUI and uh, reckless endangerment times two Um, and all of these charges that I like, that I was, that I didn't do.
1: I was going to say you word high. That doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. And I, I consented that night. I was like, I consented to blood. I consented to them doing their investigation, everything. I told them I haven't been drinking. I haven't been smoking nothing. And then it took them, it was like four or five months later when they finally gave me the blood results that showed that there was no alcohol, no marijuana, nothing in my system whatsoever. Wow. And during that time, I was I was just emotionally like really, really hurt by what was happening because my best girlfriend was injured. I was injured. I thought everybody like thought poorly of me because everybody thought that I was drunk driving my best friend on a motorcycle and got, got in an accident. And that was actually during that time was the first time I used heroin because from my Oxycontin days, I knew that opiates will take away this emotional pain. I know it will help with physical pain, but most of all, it's going to help me with my emotional pain that I'm feeling right now. So I, so I went out and started using heroin. And by the time that I got acquitted of all those charges, like I, it was too late. It was too late. And I was hooked on heroin and that drug took me to, um, right now I'm about 200 215 pounds. Um, at the end of my use, I was doing I was shooting up heroin and meth, and I was smoking crack if I couldn't find anything, and I was at 148 pounds, oh. so yeah, almost 70 pounds less than I am now, and wow. just sunken in, totally different person, and unable to stop. And I was trying. Wow. Um, and then November, November 5th of 2015, that night into uh, November 6th, which is pretty interesting, the timing. Um, I was actually, I left my, my girlfriend's house, we were on a break, but I still was seeing her. And and I left her house and pulled like two blocks away. And I remember I I knew I was going to go to sleep, I was going going back to my hotel to go to sleep. So I didn't mix meth into my shot. And I did, I did a shot of heroin. And the next thing I knew, I was waking up, Um, on a pile of glass on the asphalt next to my rental car at a stop sign with blue and red lights all over the place. And I had to watch this on video in court three months, three or four months later, because the police that found me had their body cam on and they found me slumped over the wheel with no no pulse and, and almost no breath. Um, They couldn't find my pulse and and I was breathing really, really, really soft. Um, They didn't narcan me. I just kind of just came out of it. And the thing is, is like for the next two years, I I still wasn't able to stop. Like people say, people say, you know, they look for the consequences that get you to stop. Well, well, maybe this, maybe the fact that they charged me with a felony for being sick. They charged me with a felony that night. Felony, uh, felony possession of dangerous drugs. Wow. And I had I had personal use heroin and meth on me and I had 5 year prison sentence hanging over my head for that and while I was on probation for the next 2 years I would go into my probation officer begging him to put me in prison because I can't stop and they tell they tell us that these consequences or these laws are supposed to deter us from using drugs or are supposed to deter us from from continuing to use drugs I couldn't stop to the point where like, I wanted to die. I didn't only want to die. I wanted, I wanted anything that would get me to stop because so much. And it was like, nobody saw it. Wow. That's how I felt. And I felt completely, totally and utterly alone.
1: Wow. That's (sighs) there's somebody screaming for help and you're not getting it. That, uh, wow. Okay.
0: And then, um, I know you're gonna ask what the what the point of no return is or was on November 6th of 2017, exactly two years after that happened. Um, I was like, I, like I said, I was 148 pounds. I was homeless. I was kicked out of a homeless shelter. Um, I was 86 and because I couldn't stop using. Uh, I was going into my probation officer asking him to put me in prison. I was going to t- uh, two 12-step meetings a day. I was going to church, Bible studies, all this. And it got to a point where I knew I had tried everything. Like I knew I had tried everything to get sober and there was nothing I could do. And I believed that I was gonna die a junkie on the streets with with no hope. And I was sitting in this car um, before this Bible study every single Tuesday that I went to at 630, I'm at Zabo Coffee in Billings, Montana. And I was about to go. And I told God, I said out loud, God, I'm not going. I'm sick of this. I'm not going to these meetings. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to these Bible studies. I'm not going to probation anymore. Just let me die. Just let me die. Um, and I And I told him that. And I heard him audibly whisper to me like into my heart, like it was like a whisper that went through my head in my heart and he said, it's time, go. And in that moment, I, I remember like getting really upset because so many of us in in our addictions, we have these times where we actually truly, truly believe that we're going to stop. Like I've literally tossed all of my dope into a toilet and then morning went and went to go pick up more. So it was, like, it was like when he asked me, I, I got upset because I was like, this has happened over and over and over in my life. This time, this point has happened over and over and over. And I said, God, I'm sick of this. I started hitting the roof of the car and like yelling at him and like crying. And I was like, God, I'm sick of this. Just let me die. Just let me die. And I'm yelling at him. This is like, this is a couple to a few minutes. You know, I'm yelling at him. And then he just repeats himself and he says, it's time, go. And I remember getting this like, this sense of peace right this this i don't know why i don't know why i'm going but okay fine god i'll go and i go to this bible study um i it's at this coffee house in this back room with these sliding doors and i I went in i bust the doors open i'm 12 minutes late all the guys in the bible study are in prayer and i interrupt them all i throw my hands up and drop on my knees and i say guys please help me i can't stop i can't stop please help me
1: You are listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast, or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727 314 Seven zero eight zero, and please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and give us a five star review. For more information on our sponsor Narconon Ohio, visit their website at org. That's n-a-r-c-o-n-o-n-o-j-a-i dot org, or call one eight six six two three one five nine two four. That's 1-866-231-5924. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby.
0: Please, and my best friend, Brendan, who is the Bible study leader, came over to me and he was like, call me down. And his like, normal, normal to me. And he was like, he's like, bro, just let's just get through Bible study, you know, because they've been hearing this for months. I've been trying to quit for months. And he calls me down, we get through Bible study. And then at the end of Bible study, um, one of the elders, Carmen comes over and he's like, hey, uh, I got a word I need to pray for you. And he sits me in the middle of the room on an, on a, on an Ottoman and George, another elder, and then Brendan, my best friend are, are standing behind me. And he puts his hand on my shoulder and is looking in my eyes and starts like speaking to spirits and like i can't explain to you any better than i felt <laughs> these things coming out of me wow he was like yelling at him like spirit of depression get out in jesus name and like yelling at him like uh spirit of addiction spirit of this and spirit of that and yelling at him and then and then he starts uh, speaking to the spirit of a cult because i used to like do things that i'm <laughs> not proud of anymore understood and when he's Right. And when he started speaking to that, like, I remember feeling my body start contorting, like my, my face was like, like contorting. I felt something taking over me. And he started yelling at it and yelling at it and yelling at it and yelling at it. And then I felt a weight come off of me, like a weight come off of me. And I haven't drank or used since that moment. Wow. Five days, five days later, I'm at... IHOP International House of Pancakes with my best friend Brandon, who's also the Bible study leader that called me down that night. I'm sitting across from him, and five days for me at this point is like a miracle. Right. A miracle. So I'm sitting across from him. I'm all excited, like, oh my gosh, I have five days. I can't believe this. I'm like talking to him. And I'm all excited. And then I get a text message on my phone. I just have this little flip phone and I open it up and it's from my dope dealer. He's like, hey bro, I just got some some new stuff. It's fire. I'll give you a free twenty to try out. And right when I read it, I felt something enter in through the top of my head, go all the way through my body into my toes. My fingertips were tingling, and I lost my peripheral vision. All I could see was my phone, and then my thumb started texting back. And it was in like King James. It was like, "Ye shall not text me again. Thou hast texted me for the last time." And I went crazy. <laughs> and then at the end of the, and then at the end of the text. It said, and fear the pain you cause your son because your son has been blessed with the Holy Spirit. And then ah, I feel the Spirit lead me. I was like, what the heck? And, I, and like, as I was typing it, I couldn't even read it. So I like look back at it, I read it. I'm like, what the heck? I show it to Brennan. I was like, dude, that wasn't me. I was like, that wasn't me. And he was like, okay. And I, I push send. I close the phone and I, I'm going down to put it in my pocket. I'm looking down at my pocket. I'm like, dude, I don't know what that was. I don't know who that was. And I look back up and Jesus is sitting across from me. Oh, wow. The entire, the entire restaurant completely disappeared. All I could see was his face. There was a glow coming from behind him. He was smiling at me. I immediately knew who it was, immediately knew it was happening. In the middle of a sentence, I fell with my face to the table with my hand up. I said, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. <laughs> I came back up and he was gone. Wow. Um, on day, I went through this, the 12 steps um, rapidly, rapidly. Um, and I, and I talked to Jesus. I knew who my, who God of my understanding was. And I started talking to Jesus on day 26, uh, the obsession completely left. I did my fifth step on day 25. And on day 26, I noticed that I had a spiritual awakening that I had no desire to drink or use. And it has not come back since that day wow. on day 30. And I still have the journal because I'm journaling this whole time <laughs> on, on December 5th of 2017. I prayed. I was like, God, thank you so much for getting me to 30 days. I can't believe I made it. Um, it would be amazing if I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. And I haven't had a drag of a cigarette since day 30 on day 38, eight days away from a pack a day smoking habit. I hopped on a treadmill and ran a mile in seven minutes and 18 seconds.
1: Oh my and goodness. Since then,
0: <laughs> since I then, couldn't do
1: that. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> over, over quarantine. I actually made a goal. Um, 6 months prior I made a goal that I want to beat the 6 minute mile and on the day of 6 months of making that goal I ran a mile in 5 minutes and 57 seconds and that was that was during quarantine wow um, the thing that I've learned that I believe wholeheartedly is that when we get connected to this power to this infinite source right we are capable Of things we have never even thought possible that's right we are able to do anything that we want to do and God God is like God's dope (laughs) (laughs) I can't I can't get enough of him and that's that's my thing that's my thing now he's done so much for me so much for me and I, I just owe everything to him
1: wow Well, very well done on all of it and being sober as long as you have, because I know it isn't necessarily easy. And I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of what you went through and that you've turned your life around. Now you then went on to become a successful businessman. How did that come about from homelessness (laughs) to successful businessman?
0: Right. Um, right around, uh, Right around seven or eight months, I kind of decided that I, I have to do something big. Like I have, um, I, work, I, I I was working, basically what's my life in recovery is I've kept, I turned my bad habits into good habits. And I've learned in my recovery that life and success is built on habits and life and, and failure is built on bad habits. Like when we were, we had a bad habit, using drugs is a bad habit. Right. If we flip that over, start working out every day, our body's going to get healthy. Right. If we flip that over and we start reading every day, our mind is going to start getting healthy. If we flip that over and we start focusing on opportunity, on different things and looking for sources of opportunity and sources of, of serving others, then opportunities in, to serve others are going to come up. So I, I was working at a, uh, at a, at a home show company. Where we sold we sold uh, booths to home shows and stuff, and I ended up meeting uh, my my now business partner through selling him a home show booth. And he's in this niche industry in the medical industry, and needed a marketing plan for it. And in uh, 2018, uh, the company that he had did did seventy thousand, and then I came on at the end of in the end of February 2019, and we did 1.3 million that year. Wow. Uh, and I came on as Chief Marketing Officer.
1: Wow. Um, now in,
0: in 2021, we now employ 25 people now. Um, everybody has, has benefits and 401k and all of that. Um, and we, we founded the company with the belief that we want to um, we want to serve we want to be like the number one employer. We want to be like, when people work for us, they never want to leave because we just have this incredible, incredible job opportunity. So we built it from there. Um, and then if we're going to talk about Recovered on Purpose, um, that was like, that was just pure God. Um, because mm-hmm. this with this successful business that I had in this medical industry with, with this business partner, um, at one point in September of 2019, I started getting really sick, mentally sick, because I was extremely successful with everything I'd ever thought success was with, you know, the nice car, the nice place, the, the, you know, the friends and and the money and things coming in. But then I just had this like overwhelming sense of, of unfulfillment. And I remember I was sitting on my couch one night or one day at one night, and um, I, I started feeling like, I didn't want to be there. Like, I didn't want to be here. I didn't like here on earth, I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, and I got up, I said, I'm not going there. I I have made the decision that I am not going there with my thoughts. Uh, so I need to figure this out right now. I went right over to my bed and I started, I got dropped down on my knees and started praying to God, like, God, um, I'm sick of this. I, I don't know what it is, but I need to, I need you to show me how I need, how I'm supposed to serve millions of people. You, I know that you've put it in me to to serve millions and millions of people. I know that you've put this voice in me. I'm supposed to speak, God. Whatever you want me to do, God, just show me what to do. Just show me what to do. And uh, went to bed. Next morning, I do the exact same prayer. And then not not even five minutes later, I'm, I'm on Facebook and I see an ad for a, a Christian entrepreneurship conference out in California. Book my ticket, boom, I go. Um, and long story short, the first night of this, this hundred X Academy, uh, uh, conference first night we're we're worshiping. We have Jesus cultures there and they're, they're playing, playing music. And I'm, I'm up in the, like right in front of the stage and I'm like, I'm worshiping. And then all of a sudden, like I have my hands up and then I just hear God tell me, he says, your new company is called recovered on purpose. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Okay. And And I pull out my phone and I got the got the domain name I got got everything ready right there made sure that it's all all good to go it's mine I was like wow this is mine um and then I uh the next day or the day after um like the second or third day of the conference Chandler Bolt got up and he teaches people how to how to publish their books and so September 28th I bought the course and God told me if you publish this book for your two-year clean and sober you are going to inspire so many others to do the same. And so I, I went home, and for the next five weeks, I did nothing but work on my book. And in five weeks, I wrote, published, and became a bestseller for From Chains to Saved, my my story of addiction and overcoming addiction. Wow. And then uh, through, he. And then the thing the thing about God' ideas is like He gives us what we can handle at the moment. Right. And then he keeps giving us like little C's to continue following. Right. So I published my book and I knew I wanted to inspire others to do it. And then he starts telling me, okay, now, now the reason why is, okay, now I wrote my book. I can tell this story at any point. I can tell any one of these 17 stories with precision, with detail. I've written it. Like I can come out and sell it. That's the reason why you wrote your book. Now you need to coach others to write their books in quarantine. Uh, I actually helped three other people write and publish their books to to bestsellers.
1: Wow, and right before... <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. And the mission ahead. of Recovered on Purpose is, uh, and here's the thing: like, I, I love working with people one on one. I love coaching people one on one. I just have this have this this mind of scaling, because I believe that we as recovered addicts. We have a mission to save others from it. And that doesn't just mean we're helping addicts that are suffering. I believe that the only way we're actually going to end addiction is by ending it at the source. Yep. If I would have had the right message from the right man at the right time when I was a kid, I never would have used drugs. Never would have used drugs.
1: That's what I believe. That's why when we talk to people who are doing drug education, I believe that young people are not stupid. And if you give them the truth, about drugs, what it does to the body, what it feels like, that there's a good percentage of them that will go, I'm not going to do that because I know why I'm not going to do it.
0: Exactly, yes. Yes, um, so the vision of Recovered On Purpose is we need to have an addict speaking in every single public school in America every single year. That's that's the only way, and we can't leave anybody behind because we could be leaving the next Martin Luther King Jr. behind.
1: That's right.
0: We could be, we could be leaving, the next JFK behind by, by not teaching them about drugs. And then they, and then they miss their opportunity. There is so much talent, so much blessing being stolen by addiction. Yep. So much of it. Yep. And we that recover, so few of us are recovering and we are, we have a responsibility now. I believe fully that if we were given the gift of sobriety, we have a responsibility now.
1: I think you're right i think you're absolutely right and i i love the mission of recovered on purpose i love that you're helping others write their book and getting out there and doing drug education um adam if someone wants to find you how do they find you
0: uh they can find me on facebook recovered on purpose or they can go to my website recoveredonpurpose.com drop a message say hello i also give my audio book and digital book, totally free. If you subscribe at the bottom at recoveredonpurpose.com. Wow. And I don't even, I don't even know how to use an email list yet. So don't think I'm like going to start sending you a bunch of stuff. Like I literally have an email list full that I don't use. So don't <laughs> worry about that. I just want to give you my book for free
1: fair enough adam thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today i think your story is hugely impactful and i you know that's why we do this podcast is to have people like you get their message out and get their story out and i really appreciate you taking the time to do that and we will broadcast it far and wide
0: awesome joni i appreciate you having me thank you so much
1: well i hope you enjoyed the interview today with adam gunton His, um, I will put on the video, the name of his website, recoveredonpurpose.com. And also I will put information about his book in the show notes for this show, because I think his book has got to be as impactful as his message. Um, he sank pretty low, but now he has raised himself up pretty high with his belief in God and his wanting to forward a very, very survival purpose to help others. So thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with another interview and have a great week. If you or someone you know needs help, please don't wait. Reach out now.
0: You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by NarcAnon Ojai. For more information on Narconon Ojai, call 866-231-5924 or visit
1: www.narcononohai.org. Narcanon
0: is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.